You're listening to Randall Wallace Presents, formerly Bridging the Political Gap, the number one American history podcast of 2024 by Feedspot.com. A container cargo ship Mayaguez with a crew of 39 Americans was reportedly forced into the Cambodian port of Kampong Sam. The condition of the crew is unknown. The Mayaguez, owned by the Sea Land Corporation of New Jersey, was en route from Hong Kong to Thailand when it was seized early this morning, Washington time. In a similar incident a few days ago, the Cambodians also captured a Panamanian ship on the high seas, then later released it. At the White House, President Ford called today's seizure an act of piracy and warned of serious consequences unless the Mayaguez is released immediately. Thank you. 
American people prompted a stunning revelation. His wife, Betty, faced surgery of breast cancer. And then we uh, would uh, hope for the very best on uh, Saturday, which we have great faith will be the case. from the hospital, the nation joined the first family in celebrating her recovery. can't tell you how much we appreciate the support that you have given the president, and I sort of like him too. President Ford's straightforward manner also won over foreign leaders in the tension-filled
uh, Ryan Wallace presents on Gerald Ford. And you just heard uh, the RNC video uh, from the, the Republican convention in 2000 uh, when President uh, Bush was running, for, or Governor Bush was running for president. But it talked about the Maya Guez incident. And that is what is this episode. That's probably the the most famous uh, foreign policy moment of the of the Ford's brief presidency, other than the fall of Saigon. He also had the Helsinki Accords on Human Rights, which was a big moment for him. He, you know, and President Ford had a number of crises, but the Mayaguez is the one that is sort of the the end of the Vietnam War for real. It's after Saigon Falls, but it's it's a, the folks that would pass away in this situation would end up being the last names on the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., when it went up many years later, because this is really the last big moment of the Vietnam War. Now, Gerald Ford gets the hostages back that were taking on board uh, the Mayaguez, which was this uh, shipping con- container ship that, that was taken by uh, the Cambodians, um, uh, you know, in, in the, the, the sea of Thailand. And uh, it leads to this really uh, pretty stressful situation over about a, a week, five days, um, between the Ford administration uh, as they lead an effort uh, to get these folks back. And you'll see there's some things that go wrong in this uh, because of some some rivalries within the administration, mainly uh, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, Secretary of Defense James Schlesinger. And, you know, you, you, you'll see some concern about whether Schlesinger will do what he's told to do. And it it struck me because you know James Schlesinger uh, made a very controversial controversial order against Richard Nixon at the very end of the Nixon administration uh, about clearing any orders the president gave to the military through him or Henry Kissinger before they were enacted, as though Richard Nixon might use the military to stay in power. And, you know, that has been uh, bannered about by the Bob Woodward's and Carl Bernstein's and the RAG, the Washington Post, for many years. And the truth is there is no evidence that Richard Nixon ever, ever thought about this. And to see that Gerald Ford's having the same problem is interesting. And a little later on, after the Mayaguez happened around Halloween, uh, James Lesnar got the axe. And there was uh, several people who went down. Uh, and Ford restructured his administration. White House correspondent Tom Gerald has details. The White House is not treating this incident or characterizing it yet as a major crisis. The official language is strong, and the message conveyed by the president's spokesman indicates that unless the ship is released, there will be a further response. The president has met with the National Security Council. He considers this seizure to be an act of piracy. He has instructed the State Department to demand the immediate release of the ship. Failure to do so would have the most serious consequences. The American ship was traveling from Hong Kong to Thailand when it sent out a Mayday emergency radio signal, which was picked up in Indonesia. It was located 60 miles off the coast of Cambodia, 
but only eight miles off a small rock island in the Gulf of Thailand. The island is claimed by both Cambodia and South Vietnam. American officials contend the ship was in international waters. Before radio contact was lost, the Mayaguez reported it was fired upon and boarded by armed forces from a Cambodian gunboat. There were no injuries reported, and the ship is believed to have been taken to the Cambodian port of Kampong Som. The ship, with its 39-man American crew, is believed to have been carrying a military cargo. A White House spokesman gives a flat no when asked if this was a spy ship. They refuse to elaborate on the serious consequences the president is threatening or to talk about a possible U.S. military response. They clearly hope the strong language of the president will get the ship freed, but are concerned over having to deal with the new rebel government in Cambodia. There are no direct diplomatic channels. The new Khmer Rouge leadership is a mystery to U.S. officials. One official puts it simply, we don't know what we're dealing with. Tom Gerald, ABC News at the White House. This is Frank Tomlinson at the Pentagon. With the capture of the freighter Mayaguez, the topic of conversation here is what can be done. There is a congressional mandate against use of troops or aircraft in Southeast Asia. And as for now, the only answer to a Pentagon question is no comment. But this much is known. Many of the ships that took part in the evacuation of Saigon are now in or near the Subic Bay Navy base in the Philippines. There is virtually no American naval power near Cambodia. One source says, though, the aircraft carrier Coral Sea is south of what he calls the area of interest, but he won't say how far south. There's still a considerable American presence across the Cambodian border in Thailand with 27,000 troops and some 200 fighters and bombers plus helicopters. A military source says a helicopter raid into Cambodia is physically possible and then quickly adds, but what good would that do? Reportedly, some ships of the 7th Fleet have been ordered to move westward but with specific instructions to take no action whatever. As one military source said, the only thing we can do right now is complain a lot. Frank Tomlinson, ABC News, the Pentagon. This is Ted Koppel in St. Louis. Secretary Kissinger arrived here in St. Louis in order to make a speech tonight, but he had nothing to say to waiting newsmen on the subject that is foremost on everyone's mind. It is quite possible, in fact, that neither Kissinger nor anyone else in the administration will have anything to add for the next couple of days to the statement released by the White House this afternoon. The problem now is one of communication with the new Cambodian government. The U.S. protest has apparently been routed through third countries, and the only ones represented now in Phnom Penh are the People's Republic of China, North Vietnam, and North Korea. Senior U.S. officials are hinting at possible military action. We will not, one of them told me, accept detention of this ship. But no direct action is expected for the next couple of days. In other words, the time that will be necessary for messages to be exchanged between Washington and Phnom Penh. This is Ted Koppel, ABC News, with the Secretary of State in St. Louis. Congressional reaction to the news that Cambodia have seized the U.S. ship varied from extreme caution to extreme outrage with one call for immediate bombing. ABC's David Garcia samples the varied reaction. Some senators had not even heard of the seizure and had to take time to read news dispatches of the incident. Most senators said the U.S. should react with patience. If we have to use forces, uh, there's plenty of time for that. But uh, let's use reason first. Be, be calm. Don't get too jumpy. Uh, I can't imagine that the Cambodian Navy is going to throw the fear of God into anybody. It's a, it's a, what they have for a Navy would make a good flotilla on Lake Calhoun in Minnesota. 
But conservative James Buckley of New York wants no part of diplomacy. Now, this is an act of piracy, nothing more, nothing less. And there's only one kind of answer that will be understood and keep this sort of thing from happening to the future. And that is immediate retaliation. So I've recommended that the president uh, order an immediate clinical airstrike against appropriate targets. And then maybe we'll have this kind of harassment in the future. But Buckley's appeal for immediate retaliation was in the minority. Most senators want to leave it up to President Ford. As Republican leader Hugh Scott put it, Congress is no place to deal with pirates. David Garcia, ABC News, Capitol Hill. Retired Navy Commander Lloyd Booker, whose spy ship Pueblo was captured by North Korea in January of 1968, says President Ford should immediately take swift and positive action to secure the release of the Mayaguez. Booker says if any of the crew members are harmed, President Ford should order immediate retaliatory action. This American ship, the container ship Mayaguez, today was fired on, boarded, and seized by a Cambodian government and a gunboat, and its crew of 40 Americans has apparently been taken prisoner. The White House says the ship was captured by the Cambodian gunboat on the high seas and described the act as piracy. The Mayaguez is now reported to be in the Cambodian harbor of Kampong Sam after a journey of 60 miles across the Gulf of Thailand. No one knows why the ship was seized, only that the White House says it was a Cambodian boat which did it. Here's more from Tom Brokaw. President Ford first learned of the incident from his daily intelligence briefing when he awoke early this morning. At noon Washington time, the president gathered the National Security Council at the White House for a 45-minute discussion, and a short time later, presidential press secretary Ron Nesson broke the news with a brief statement. We have been informed that a Cambodian naval vessel has seized an American merchant ship on the high seas and forced it to the port of Kampong Sam. The president has met with the National Security Council. He considers this seizure to be an act of piracy. He has instructed the State Department to demand the immediate release of the ship. Failure to do so would have the most serious consequences. Despite the strong language in that statement, there was not an error crisis at the White House this evening. Secretary Kissinger went to St. Louis for a speech, and no other meetings of the National Security Council were scheduled. The White House flatly denied that the American ship involved was working on a spy mission, and at the same time, spokesmen also refused to describe the nature of contacts the State Department is attempting to make with the new Cambodian government. President Ford consulted with only a few congressional leaders and then only briefly. In Congress, reaction to the incident was mixed. I think we've learned some lessons about uh, jumping at the, uh, the ultimate uh, recourse, namely armed force. Stop, look, and listen. If we have to use forces, uh, there's plenty of time for that. If they fail to release it, then uh, we'll have to go after it. This is an act of piracy, nothing more, nothing less. And there's only one kind of answer that will be understood and keep this sort of thing from happening to the future, and that is immediate retaliation. So I've recommended that the president uh, order an immediate clinical airstrike against appropriate targets. And then maybe we won't have this kind of harassment in the future. White House spokesman refused to speculate on the president's course of action if the Cambodians do refuse to give up the ship. When pressed for an assessment of the current situation, Press Secretary Nesson said, I wouldn't characterize it as grave or serious. And he then referred reporters to language in the statement, which speaks of serious consequences, but nothing specific. Tom Brokaw, NBC News, Washington. 
The Mayaguez is owned by the Sealand Corporation based in New Jersey. The firm said today that the cargo carried in containers was valued at one and a third million dollars and that part of the cargo is 77 containers with military cargo, including munitions. There's no clear indication of what can be done to rescue the 40 Americans or the ship. There is one report that an unarmed U.S. Navy reconnaissance plane flew near the harbor today. There's another report that an American aircraft carrier and other ships are steaming toward the area just in case they're needed. evening, the Mayaguez, an unarmed American merchant ship carrying some military cargo, was seized today by a Cambodian gunboat in the Gulf of Thailand, 60 miles off the coast of Cambodia. The American ship was forced to put in at the Cambodian port of Kampong Som. More on the story from Phil Jones at the White House. President Ford did not learn of the incident until his routine morning briefing from the National Security Council. And it was more than six hours later that new Secretary Ron Nesson announced the details of the seizure and read a statement for cameras. We have been informed that a Cambodian naval vessel has seized an American merchant ship on the high seas and forced it to the port of Kampong Som. The president has met with the National Security Council. He considers this seizure to be an act of piracy. He has instructed the State Department to demand the immediate release of the ship. Failure to do so would have the most serious consequences. According to Nesson, the ship reported that it was being fired upon by a Cambodian gunship. There was a final May Day message that was monitored by a radio operator in Indonesia. The radio then went dead. There were reportedly 39 or 40 Americans aboard. No word on whether there are injuries or exactly where the ship is now. The White House says flatly that it was not a spy ship and that it was in international waters. On Capitol Hill, reaction was mixed and in some cases cautious, but some talked about swift and firm retaliation. I, I would say that if they fail to release it, then uh, we'll go after it. How should we get the ship back? Any way that we can. And there's only one kind of answer that'll be understood and keep this sort of thing from happening to the future, and that is immediate retaliation. So I've recommended that the president uh, order an immediate clinical airstrike against appropriate targets, and then maybe you won't have this kind of harassment in the future. The important thing about something like this is that it hurt so that people know that the United States will not any longer tolerate this kind of action. Senator, would you be against going through diplomatic uh, channels first? Yes. There are many ways to uh, correct a situation that uh, borders upon the violation of international law before you resort to armed force. I think we've learned some lessons about uh, jumping at the, uh, the ultimate uh, recourse, namely armed force. Stop, look, and listen. That cautious approach seems to be President Ford's strategy. CBS News has learned that the U.S. has begun delicate negotiations, primarily through China, to retrieve the ship, China being the only country that has decent relations with the new Cambodian government. Nothing further is expected tonight, and as one high official put it, we're not going to do anything further until the dust settles on our stern warning. Phil Jones, CBS News, at the White House. Pentagon sources tell Ike Pappas that U.S. Navy ships are now moving toward the Gulf of Thailand off the Cambodian coast. The sources did not say how many or what type ships. At Sealand Services Incorporated in Edison, New Jersey today, Gary Shepard got the ship company's reaction to the seizure. 
Officials of Sealand refused to appear on camera, but a spokesman said the Mayaguez was carrying general container cargo. It was on a regularly scheduled trip from Hong Kong to Satahip, Thailand, he said, when the seizure took place. Sealand says it has contracts to carry American military goods in Southeast Asia, and the spokesman said there is no doubt some of the cargo was military, but he couldn't say exactly what was on board. All of the crew members were Americans, all were employed by Sealand, he said, and any suggestion that the vessel was operating under the control of the U.S. government, the Pentagon, or the CIA, he said, is ludicrous. Gary Shepard, CBS News, Edison, New Jersey. Lloyd Bucher, the captain of the U.S. spy ship Pueblo, captured by North Korean gunboats in January of 1968, said today there should be positive and swift American reaction to the seizure. Bucher, now retired, said the government has got to provide leadership, quote, to prevent people from around the world twisting our tail all over the world. <laughs> This is Randall Wallace, uh, your host for Bridging the Political Gap. I want to thank you first for tuning in to our podcast and invite you to come to our website, randallwallace.com. There you can get a copy of our book, Always Vote Your Conscience, Don't Take It Personally, and Don't Fight the Same Old Battles Over and Over Again, with a lot of policy suggestions and things that I think everyone could embrace, an argument for why we need to be working together instead of fighting with each other. Also, you can take a look at the first 11 episodes of this podcast, which was a podcast documentary that looked at the World War II generation of bipartisan leadership that built the American century and the lessons we can learn from them to apply to today's situations. Again, thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And if you've enjoyed our show, please leave us a review at wherever you get your podcast. And now, let's get back to the show. not have tapes the way we did during the years that Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon were president. So I'm going to use the slideshow from the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Library to go through what happened uh, during the Mayaguez incident. The rescue of the SS Mayaguez and the last battle. Shortly after the fall of Saigon, the merchant ship SS Mayaguez left Hong Kong on what was considered a routine voyage to uh, Satahip, Thailand. The ship was piloted by Captain James T. Miller, a veteran with more than 40 years' experience and a crew of 39 seamen. On Monday, May 12, 1975, at 2 p.m., a mayday fired upon and boarded by Cambodian armed forces. Quote, uh, the SS Mayaguez was approached by a small, fast gunboat. The boat fired across the bow of the Mayaguez. The sailors on the boat were young Cambodian men from the Khmer Rouge Army, and they were armed with machine guns, which they aimed at Captain Miller and his crew. On Monday, May 12th, in Washington, D.C., uh, President Ford is briefed on the SS Mayaguez seizure. In Washington, D.C., President Ford was alerted for the first time at 7.40 a.m. 
more than four hours after the Mayaguez, was seized in the Gulf of Thailand, and over two hours after the dispatch was received by the National Military Command at the Pentagon. Uh, later on the day, mon- uh, Monday, May 12th at 12.05 p.m., the President assembled the NSC. It is the first of what was to be an ongoing series of National Security Council NSC meetings over the next two days. President Ford asked his advisors if this was an act of piracy. Yes was their clear answer. And our top story this morning is the seizure of a United States merchant ship by the new Cambodian government, which so far is not saying anything about why it took the vessel. She's a container ship, the Mayaguez, and as far as is known, the ship and her 39-man crew are now in the Cambodian port of Sihanoukville, which used to be called Kampong Som. The ship is owned by a New Jersey-based company and was sailing, reportedly well out in international waters, from Hong Kong to Thailand. She's carrying what's described as mixed cargo, which the company, her owner says, could include some military hardware. It isn't at all clear yet what the United States government is going to do about all this, but there is a lot of talk in high places, including some from Secretary of State Kessinger, who was in St. Louis last night for a news conference and a speech. Chris Kelly reports. At his news conference here, Kissinger offered no new information on the seizure and gave no hint how the United States will eventually respond to what Washington calls a hostile act. I think that the president's uh, statement speaks for itself. He called the action an act of piracy, and he demanded the immediate uh, release of the American uh, ship and crew. And he's pointed out that uh, failure to do so could have serious consequences. Uh, We are undertaking uh, at present diplomatic efforts to bring about this release. Uh, and until they uh, have had their chance, we will not make any further comment. I don't think it is, uh, this is the time for me to, uh, to give a checklist of possible American responses. I think our statement has made it clear that we will not accept this and that we are insisting on the release of the ship and the crew. Uh, but what specific steps we will take if that's... Uh, cannot be achieved by diplomatic means, uh, we will have to wait. Business and civic leaders, after meeting privately with Kissinger, quoted him as saying the U.S. would have a measured response in several days. But in his speech, Kissinger did not mention this latest crisis and spoke instead about the U.S. role in world affairs in the aftermath of Indochina defeats. We are no longer predominant. We are inescapably a leader. Though we cannot impose our solutions, few solutions are possible without us. There is no other country so endowed to help build a better future. This so-called visit to America's heartland was designed to drum up support for administration foreign policy that has suffered setbacks because of communist gains in Southeast Asia. But as Kissinger goes about his schedule, attention is focused on a new crisis in an area where this country no longer is the dominant force. Chris Kelly, CBS News, St. Louis. The incident has brought some tough talk from the White House and Congress, and for more on that, here's Bruce Morton in Washington. Hughes White House Press Secretary Ron Nesson says President Ford regards the seizure of the Mayaguez as an act of piracy and that a Cambodian failure promptly to release the ship and her crew would have the most serious consequences. 
which is the kind of language diplomats usually use to mean that they're considering the use of military force. U.S. officials concede force poses some problems, centering around how to make sure the crew is safe while the force is being used, and it's understood here that the U.S. is trying diplomacy first. The administration is working through the Chinese, since they're the only country which has any ties to the new government in Cambodia. China's envoy to this country, Huang Chen, was called to the State Department yesterday afternoon, presumably to talk about the plight of the Mayaguez. Officials are uncertain what motivated the Cambodian action, simple desire to embarrass the United States, an effort to trade the ship for airplanes flown out of Cambodia to Thailand by pilots of the former government, nobody is sure. Officials here do emphasize that the Mayaguez is not a spy ship, but an ordinary merchantman. Phil Jones has the latest from the White House. Phil? According to spokesman Ron Nesson, the Mayaguez was spotted about 30 miles off the Cambodian coast. U.S. military aircraft have kept around-the-clock surveillance of the ship, uh, and these planes report that during the night, the Mayaguez was escorted by two Cambodian naval vessels from a point where it was originally boarded towards its present location. According to Nesson, President Ford was kept informed of developments throughout the night, and at this point, the president is up and has received his routine morning briefings from the National Security Council. The atmosphere at the White House remains very calm. Secretary of State Kissinger is out of town on a previously scheduled speaking engagement, and Nesson says there are no plans at this point to hold any special National Security Council meeting. No one at the White House is speculating privately or publicly, but there is a possibility that the reported movement of the ship back out to the point where it was seized may be a prelude to the actual release of the ship and its crew. Bruce? Congressional reaction has been mixed. Most of those questioned favored trying diplomatic means first. Javits of New York counseled a little patience. But New York conservative James Buckley called for immediate air and naval attacks on Cambodia. And Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Sparkman of Alabama said the U.S. should get the shit back by any means it can. If a person shoots at you, you've got a right to shoot back, Sparkman said. White House Counsel Philip Buchan said he thought the president did have the authority to use force in this kind of situation. Hughes? The National Security Meetings, number two and three, President Ford assembled the second and third National Security Meeting and demands accurate and timely reports. Ford and his advisors decided on three simultaneous actions. Use the nearby USS Henry Holt to board and seize the Maguez, use Marines to take the island of Kotang, and use Air Force airstrikes against the nearby port of Kampong Som. The United States is moving cautiously on several fronts today to secure the release of that American merchant ship, Mayaguez, and its American crew of 39 seized yesterday by the Cambodians. Diplomatic efforts are being made, reportedly through the People's Republic of China, which has relations with Cambodia. U.S. Marines have reportedly been put on alert in Okinawa, possibly to be sent to Thailand. A Navy reconnaissance plane flying over the ship today was fired on and hit by the Cambodians. We have a series of reports on the status of the incident, first from ABC White House correspondent Tom Jarrell. The fate of the 39-man American crew aboard the captured merchant ship became a mystery today because the White House either would not or could not explain their whereabouts. Asked if the crew was still aboard the ship or if they had been taken to shore, the president's spokesman would only say he was not able to talk about it. Overnight, the ship was located by reconnaissance aircraft. It's under guard of two Cambodian gunboats sitting dead in the water near the island of Katang, 30 miles off the Cambodian mainland. The White House also revealed this was the third incident at sea in the area in recent days. Ten days ago, a Korean freighter was fired upon. Then a Panamanian ship was seized and released. 
It wasn't until after the American ship was captured that an international warning to mariners was then issued. President Ford held an emergency session of his National Security Council, presumably to discuss military options to consider if diplomatic channels fail. For now, the president has ordered no military response. If he does, they say, he'll try to first consult Congress. A hint that action is contemplated came when the president took the arm of a friend from Congress leaving a meeting today and said, I've got a tough decision to make on the ship. Tom Gerald, ABC News at the White House. This is Frank Tomlinson at the Pentagon. It has now been confirmed that a Navy P-3 reconnaissance plane, like the one in this Defense Department photo, was hit by small arms fire while flying low passes over the freighter Mayaguez and the Cambodian gunboats in the Gulf of Siam. No one was injured, and the plane, with only minor damage, returned to Utapal, Thailand. As for now, the Defense Department is in a holding pattern to give diplomacy a chance to work, but plans are being made should diplomacy fail. Marines on Okinawa and at Subic Bay in the Philippines have been placed on alert. The aircraft carrier Coral Sea, scheduled to visit Australia, has been turned around and is headed for the Gulf of Siam. So far, no Marines have been flown into Thailand because of the sensitivity of the relations between the United States and the Thai government. However, sources say it would take only a matter of hours to fly Marines to Thailand if such an order is given. Frank Tomlinson, ABC News, the Pentagon. This is Herbert Kaplow. At its embassy in Washington, the Thai government, through Ambassador Anand Panyarachan, reflected uncertainty this afternoon about what to do if asked to allow those American Marines to be based in Thailand. I do not know what my government is going to do, but on the, on the basis of the stated policies in the last few months, I doubt whether that would be uh, agreeable to the Thai government. Even if it becomes clear to most everybody that the American ship was illegally seized? Well, that is the point that has to be uh, judged by, you know, in the context of international law. And this is a dispute between you and the government of Cambodia. I do not see why or what benefits you, know, you would bring to Thailand by getting Thailand involved in the dispute. As reluctant as the Thais sound, American diplomats note that Thailand, because of its delicate position in Southeast Asia, often says one thing and does another. So the possibility of those Marines going to Thailand is considered a live option, though American officials hope the situation never has to come to that. Herbert Kaplow, ABC News, Washington. Late unconfirmed reports say tonight that there is some movement of the Mayaguez or one of the Cambodian gunboats. It's not clear which ship is moving or what the significance of the movement is. There are also reports that 150 Marines are being dispatched from Okinawa to Thailand. The assistant Democratic leader in the Senate, Robert Byrd, said President Ford should set a 48-hour deadline for the release of the Mayaquez. If the deadline is not met, Byrd said, whatever action is necessary, including military force, should be used. Secretary Kissinger is in the Midwest on a speaking tour, and it was this afternoon before reporters were able to ask him what action the U.S. is willing to take. Diplomatic correspondent Ted Koppel has a report. Not that the Secretary of State was keeping a low profile today, far from it. He was politicking like a congressional candidate whose district is in trouble. Pressing the flesh in Jefferson City this morning, then delivering a speech on the world's economic structure in Kansas this afternoon, and only at a news conference, his third in 24 hours, addressing himself to the question of the freighter Mayaguez and reports that it was carrying weapons. I have not seen 
to manifest. The same, what I do know is that the highest officials of the government, when they learned of this, uh, were dealing with it as a merchant ship, uh, finding out information from the company uh, to which it belonged, and therefore uh, we are dealing with it as the seizure of an American merchant ship on peaceful trade in international waters. With Mrs. Kissinger sitting among reporters, the secretary insisted that Congress will be kept advised of the president's intentions, but suggested that congressional approval is not required for the president to take military action. Well, I didn't say uh, he would pursue them without congressional approval, uh, but he has certain inherent powers to protect uh, American lives and American property. But it would be done in close consultation. Whatever would be considered would be done in close consultation with the Congress. Kissinger persistently refuses to spell out or rule out military action. America's position has been transmitted through the People's Republic of China, and that position is reliably understood to be an extremely firm one. No compromise, no deals. The United States wants the ship and its personnel back, and there will be no American admissions of error, as in the Pueblo case, to bring about the release. This is Ted Koppel, ABC News, Kansas City. The first tragedy, 23 Americans died in a helicopter crash en route to Utapo to assist the rescue of the SS Maguay's crew, including 18 security police. On May 13 at 11 p.m. to May 14 at 10.20 a.m., uh, the crew was forced to board a fishing boat headed towards mainland Cambodia. A U.S. reconnaissance plane spotted the fishing boat with the Maguas crew huddled together on the bow. Captain Miller later remarked to President Ford that the American planes looked like angels coming out of the sky. The United States has begun military action to gain the release of the American merchant ship Mayagas, now held by Cambodia. When diplomatic efforts to free the ship failed and it became apparent the Cambodians were about to move the crew members, U.S. planes attacked the gunboats guarding the Mayagas. At least three of the Cambodian boats were destroyed. We have reports detailing the attack and related events, first from Pentagon correspondent Frank Tomlinson. The attack against the Cambodian boats was carried out at 8.30 last night our time by American aircraft flying out of Thailand after there were indications that the Cambodians were trying to move the captive crewmen off the freighter Mayaguez and off Koh Tang Island. Fifteen hours after the AC-130 gunships and the A-7 fighter bombers made their attack, the Pentagon made a terse announcement saying that three Cambodian patrol boats had been sunk. That original announcement also said four other Cambodian patrol boats had been damaged and immobilized. Now the Pentagon is backtracking saying that there's insufficient evidence to prove that those four boats were damaged. One Cambodian boat did make it to the port of Kampong Song. It was not attacked because it was feared American crewmen were on board. Meanwhile, the Mayaguez is still at anchor off Koh Tang Island, 30 miles off the Cambodian coast, and is under constant surveillance by U.S. aircraft. The first of several naval ships headed for the Gulf of Siam has arrived in the area. It's the destroyer escort Holt. Three aircraft carriers, the Coral Sea, the Hancock, and the Midway, are in the Western Pacific, apparently headed for the Gulf of Siam. A reinforced Marine Battalion landing team of 1,200 men is in Thailand. It could move at any time the order is given. Officials say there are several options open to the Marines. 
One of those options is to put Marines on the deck of the freighter Maya Gaz. Another is to land Marines on Kotang Island. The best bet is to recover the Maya Gaz. They'll take both options simultaneously. Frank Tomlinson, ABC News, the Pentagon. In the quietest of periods, Henry Kissinger probably spends less time at the State Department than any of his predecessors. With a crisis in the works, Kissinger's black limousine and security escort shuttle him even more frequently than usual a few blocks across town to the White House. Within these precincts, Kissinger's primary role is that of head of the National Security Council, a body whose membership includes top officials from the Departments of State and Defense, CIA, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Before the Council met late this afternoon, Kissinger stopped to answer and evade a few questions about the sinking of those Cambodian patrol boats and the crew of the Mayaguez. Do we know how our guys are at this point? We don't have any detailed information. Uh, and why did uh, we decide to go ahead? And... Because we didn't want anybody to be transferred from the island to the mainland. Are you sure that they're on the island right now? Uh, we, uh, we're going to have a meeting in a little while in which we'll... If you're stopping traffic, you must have a fairly good idea of the men are either on the island or on the ship. But there's a good chance of that. The carrier moving in suggests some sort of a landing, doesn't it? I just don't want to speculate. There was speculation earlier in the day that some of the crewmen might have been aboard those Cambodian boats that came under attack. White House spokesman Ron Nesson strongly discouraged that theory, but was unable to confirm the safety of the Americans. All indications then are that the crewmen remain on that island off the Cambodian coast. This is Ted Koppel, ABC News, Washington. Expectancy here at the White House as bipartisan congressional leaders are being briefed by President Ford on the situation involving the captured U.S. merchant ship. There's a strong feeling, backed up by thinly veiled hints from officials, that a decision has been made relating to possible military moves to recover the ship and try to get its crew. However, as Senator John Stennis, chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, arrived, he told reporters he did not expect U.S. troops to be sent in. President Ford held a National Security Council meeting just hours before the congressional leaders began arriving. The meeting lasted for several hours, and it is from such NSC sessions that orders are relayed to military commanders in the field. The president is known to feel he has all the legal and congressional authority he needs to use military force against the Cambodians. The White House strategy is clearly to blockade and isolate the tiny offshore island of Kotang where the captured ship is being held. Tom Gerald, ABC News at the White House. President Ford, in a formal wear prior to the arrival of the Prime Minister of the Netherlands for a dinner on the telephone discussing the SS Maguays and troops deployment for the crew's rescue. President Ford and his advisors met before and after the dinner and late into the night waiting for word about the Maguez and her crew. On May 14th at 7.25 a.m., Marines recaptured the Maguez, but no crew members were found on board. At 7.25 a.m. local time, the USS Henry, H. Holt, Henry E. Holt drew alongside the Maguez. Minutes later, attacks began against the targets on the Cambodian mainland. President Ford and Secretary of State Kissinger discussed Cambodian overture to release the ship overheard on Von Penn radio. Ford refuses to halt the operation unless the Cambodians also release the crew. This is at 12.29 a.m. on the 15th. Uh, the Marines, they landed on Koh Tang Island at May, on May 15th at 4 a.m. At the earliest light on May 15th, the first wave of Marines was deployed to Koh Tang Island. 
Although three helicopters were shot down, over 100 Marines landed on the East Beach. We really didn't know what we were going into um, until we actually landed in Thailand and were briefed on what the mission was. We pulled into Koh Tang about dawn on the, uh, just a little after dawn on the uh, 15th. There was already at least 200 rounds, uh, maybe 300 rounds, that went through the chopper. And when it went through the chopper, it was stabbing like stabbing through 10, like a knife stabbing through 10. And you could see the daylight when, as the, uh, the rounds went through. It, it was like uh, stairway, the, the stairways to heaven, that the light penetrated all the way through the chopper. And it was just beams of light where the rounds went through. We have one sergeant that has seen combat action. Other than that, everybody on that aircraft is a boot. And the command staff was in the second bird. It gets shot off. There was so many enemy there. I estimated, you know, I hear people say different numbers. I estimate between five to 750. And at that point, it was only 20, 20 of us for the first 55 minutes. At some point in time, the Air Force dropped a Blue 82. It's a, uh, what, a 15,000-pound, largest non-nuclear bomb that they have. And we didn't know what it was. We saw drop, and we thought it was resupply because it's coming in on a parachute. You know, the crew of the Mongo is safe now. So we've got to uh, get those Marines off the island. Well, I, my crew and I got there, arrived at the island uh, just as uh, dark was falling. Um, we, could, we could barely see the island when we got there. And uh, there was two other helicopters uh, in the area at that time. And most of the other ones had been either shot up or shot down. So uh, we were the last three helicopters flying. And uh, the decision was made by command that we were going to had to get those 200-odd Marines off the island with three helicopters um, that night. A grenade or mortar or something went off to my immediate right and knocked me off the feet, uh, got my hand, smashed the uh, hand guard on the rifle, you know, just blew it, blew it apart. Uh, managed to uh, get the bird on the ground, sat there and uh, waiting for the Marines to load. And I think we had one wheel in the water and, and one on the beach. As soon as he started set that 53 down, he starts taking it from four positions. Uh, by the time I got to the helicopter, I was motivated, and uh, again, it's pitch black, there's no lights, and uh, left foot hit the ramp, right foot didn't, head first right into the side of the helicopter, I'm out. I realized that uh, we were the only helicopter at the island right then. Both the other birds, the first two birds, were en route to the Coral Sea with their loads of Marines, and it was about almost a 40-minute round trip. And uh, we knew that there was very few Marines left after their first two loads, because each of those guys took big loads out. And uh, so I, I, I can't remember who made the suggestion, whether it was the fact, uh, one of my crew members, or what, but somebody suggested, well, could we land on the Holt? Because the Holt was really close. It was just off the West Beach. We landed uh, like 45 degrees to the pad. That way I could get the nose wheel on one corner, 
right main landing gear on another corner and left main on, on another corner. The tail's hanging out over the pad, over the over the water. And I told my, uh, my number two PJ on the tail, he said, <laughs> uh, Dave, don't let those Marines exit the ramp. They're going to want to exit the ramp. Do not let them exit the ramp because they'll take a 20-foot fall into the waves or whatever, uh, and they'll sink by the rocks. So, and Dave was a big guy, and he did his job. And uh, when we got got onto the pad, uh, I kept uh, power on on the on the helicopter, so, so the wheels were light on the pad. And we uh, start we unloaded the Marines through the right uh, passenger door. Um, later, it was learned that there was three left behind. Well. Um, would we have gone back? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. But uh, the powers to be from Washington made the call that no, um, there's there's no way that those guys wouldn't have got on that helicopter if they were alive. But you sat and you were in your own silence. You you didn't know that everybody felt like you, you know that those three guys, you know that you cry about, you worry about forever. You know there's no worse way to die on the face of the earth. And think everybody left you, and uh, we'll all go to our graves, you know, with those guys on our mind. You don't like leaving dead bodies behind on a mission. The thought of leaving uh, somebody alive on the island that that really haunts all of us. The USS Henry Wilson would come in and take all 40 SS Maguez crewmen safely aboard. The USS Wilson arrives on the scene, retrieves the USS Maguez crew from the fishing boat, and all were safe. On May 15th at 12.30 a.m., Ford announced the crew of the Maguez was safe. After midnight in Washington, D.C., 11.30 p.m. in the South China Sea, a jubilant President Ford announces that the Maguez and her crew had been recovered and all military operations would draw to a close. A radio open-arm pen broadcast monitored by United Press International says the U.S. merchant ship Mayaguez will be released. The Cambodian information minister is quoted as saying the ship will be allowed to withdraw from Cambodian waters and warned against further espionage or provocative activities. Repeating, a radio Phnom pen broadcast says the U.S. merchant ship Mayaguez will be released. This has been an NBC News special report. Here from the White House is NBC News correspondent Ford Rowan. The White House has announced that U.S. Marines have seized the SS Mayaquez in the Gulf of Thailand, but the Cambodians still hold some of the crew members of the vessel. Press Secretary Ron Nessen announced that U.S. Marines were ordered by President Ford to board the ship, which was seized by the Cambodians. After the military operation began, Radio Phnom Penh announced that it was ready to release the SS Mayaquez. Then, Press Secretary Nessen came out and announced the following message, which he said was directed to the Cambodian leaders. He said, we have heard a radio broadcast that you are prepared to release the Mayaquez. We welcome this development, if true. As you know, we have seized the ship. As soon as you, the Cambodians, issue a statement that you are prepared to release the crew members you hold unconditionally and immediately, we will promptly cease all military actions. And so, to sum it up, Marines have seized the vessel, the SS Mayaquez, but the Cambodians still hold some of the crew people. Press Secretary Nessen says the Americans will cease their military operations if Phnom Penh will release the American crewmen. This is Ford Rowan, NBC News, the White House. 
This has been a special report from NBC News. We return now to our regular programming. Here from the Pentagon in Washington is NBC News correspondent Charles Quinn. Pentagon spokesman Joseph Layton just held a brief news conference, and he said that apparently about 30 American crewmen of the ship Mayaquez have been rescued. Shortly after 10.30 p.m. Uh, tonight, Washington time, uh, the destroyer Wilson, uh, which was lying off the island of Koh Tang, uh, reported that a, a small boat was approaching it with white flags aboard. About one minute ago, uh, Secretary Schlesinger advised the president that the boat uh, was alongside of the Wilson and that there were 30 men aboard who are identified as crew members of the Mayaguez. And they are now being taken aboard the destroyer Wilson. Layton also said that American warplanes from the aircraft carrier Coral Sea have made an airstrike against the Cambodian airbase near the port of Kampong Tham. Layton said 135 Marines are now on the island of Koh Tang. More are landing. Still no word on the remaining American crewmen who may have been taken to the Cambodian mainland by the Cambodians. Charles Quinn, NBC News at the Pentagon. This has been a special report from NBC News. President Ford is about to address the nation on the latest developments in the capture and the release of the American merchant ship Mayaguez, and it appears that the crisis may be over. About two hours ago, a small Cambodian naval vessel flying white flags pulled alongside an American destroyer in the Gulf of Thailand and turned over 30 American crewmen of the Mayaguez, uh, uh, and Pentagon sources said just a few minutes ago that apparently the other nine crewmen also are safe. This uh, is the latest in the series of a startling and sudden developments in this crisis uh, that's happened just over the, the course of the evening. U.S. Marines stormed aboard the ship earlier today, battled their way onto a nearby Cambodian island, and bombed a mainland Cambodian airbase. About three hours after the battle began, a Cambodian vessel waving a white flag surrendered the 30 American crewmen. A Pentagon spokesman said the, Amer the Cambodian ship approached the American destroyer Wilson and gave up the crewmen. As the surrender was taking place, American fighter bombers were attacking an airbase on the mainland of Cambodia, the Pentagon said. Officials said that the Marines battling in Indochina for the first time since night, and here is the President coming in to tell us what is happening. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. At my direction, United States forces tonight boarded the American merchant ship SS Mayaguez and landed at the island of Koh Tang for the purpose of rescuing the crew and the ship which had been illegally seized by Cambodian forces. They also conducted supporting strikes against nearby military operations or military installations. I have now received information that the vessel has been recovered intact and the entire crew has been rescued. The forces that have successfully accomplished this mission are still under hostile fire, but are preparing to disengage. I wish to express my
deep appreciation and that of the entire nation to the units and the men who participated in these operations for their valor and for their sacrifice. And so there you have it, President Ford, in a very brief announcement, just said that the American ship Mayaguez has been recovered, in his words, intact, and the entire crew of 39 people have been rescued. He said that fighting was still going on in the area, but that U.S. forces are beginning to pull out. So it appears that this crisis is over. No lives have been lost. We understand that in the Marine landing that uh, about 200 Marines went in. We're not quite sure where they came in from yet. And there is one report, not really confirmed, that two helicopters went down. Apparently so, so apparently there were some casualties in this engagement. However, as far as the Mayaguez is concerned, the ship is out apparently underway, intact, as the president said, and all 39 crewmen have been rescued. On May 15th at 4.55 a.m. to May 16th at 10 a.m., the second Marine wave reversed its course back to Kotang and inserts troops on the West Beach to rescue Marines still on Kotang East Beach. Over the next six hours, the Marines withdraw from Kotang Island. Three are reported missing. On May 16th, the USS Henry B. Wilson searches for the missing men and other survivors in the waters off Kotang. By 10 a.m. local time, all U.S. forces depart the area. There's a telegram sent at 2.05 p.m. May 16th, 1975, from Captain Miller, who thanks President Ford and the U.S. Armed Forces. After his safe return, Captain Miller sent a telegram from the Mayaguez to the White House thanking President Ford and the U.S. Armed Forces for fighting to save their lives. The president met with Captain Miller and his crew of the SS Mayaguez in the Oval Office on July 24, 1975. They presented the ship's wheel from the Mayaguez to the president in appreciation. President Ford thanked him and all the naval personnel who were strong and resourceful throughout the crisis. For Ford, the efforts of the military during the ordeal were in the, quote, best spirit of America. They are the last 41 names on the Vietnam Memorial Wall. When in the middle of the night, President Ford had finished his brief report to the nation on the rescue of the crew, his press aide, Ron Nesson, urged him to sleep well. I sure will, the president answered. Tuesday night, Mr. Ford had ordered American planes to attack Cambodian gunboats. Wednesday night, he had ordered Marines to recapture the Mayaquez and go find the crew. In each case, he talked it over with a handful of the most important men in Congress, leaders from both parties, both houses. Depending on which of these men you talk to, the president and others at the White House consulted with them, that is, asked their opinions, or simply told them what had been ordered, not seeking advice. As those congressmen left last night's briefing, the Marines were already under fire on the beach at Kotan Island. Communications between the two nations were and are virtually non-existent. It was bizarre, confusing, and fearsome. Three days of where was the crew? As unsettling as this could have been to Mr. Ford personally, through the days and evenings, it was business as usual here. For example, as the translation of the one message from Cambodia was arriving, the president was starting a state dinner, honoring the prime minister of the Netherlands. We don't know why the Cambodians stopped the Mayaguez in the first place. We can be fairly certain that the U.S. used muscle when forced to by two factors. The inability to deal diplomatically, simply because there is almost no nation in the area that talks to us. And two, 
because the first move by Cambodian gunboats brought Mr. Ford to the point where he had to say, fight or not, and he chose to fight. Lessons learned from the 1975 Mayaguez incident uh, by David Vergen, December 11, 2018. On May 12, 1975, just days after the South Vietnam, Vietnam's capital of Saigon fell, the Khmer Rouge forces seized the American container vessel, the SS Mayaguez, and its crew off the Cambodia's coast. U.S. Marines stormed the ship and Koh Tang Island, where officials believe the Mayaguez crew was being held. 41 service members lost their lives in the battle on the island and in, in associated air operations. But the Mayaguez crew members were not on the island or their ship. Cambodian forces released them just as U.S. military operations got underway, and they were safely recovered by the USS Wilson. Christopher J. Lamb, a research fellow at the National Defense University, spoke at the Pentagon about lessons learned from what he called the Mayaguez crisis. He based his research on personal interviews, memoirs, and recently declassified message traffic between the U.S. government and the military, he, he said. Here are five of his takeaways. Number one, the crisis was poorly managed as the White House and the Defense Department clashed over control of military operations. The National Security Council staff, under the leadership of Henry Kissinger, did not trust Defense Secretary James R. Schlesinger to execute presidential orders. In addition to leading the NSC, Kissinger was Secretary of State. Even before the crisis began, Kissinger had effectively sidelined Schlesinger from President Gerald Ford. All key decision makers agreed that a swift and forceful response was needed to dissuade future aggression by North Korea. They, inter they viewed this in the context of the American withdrawal from Vietnam and North Korea's perception that America did not have the will to fight. However, there were intense disagreements on implementation of details. Schlesinger and others at the Pentagon tried to reduce risks to the crew. The Pentagon refused to issue orders to fire on all patrol vessels, fearing crew members from the Mayaguez could be on board. Department of Defense also curtailed airstrikes on Cambodia, ordered by the President to make the carrier USS Coral Sea and its aircraft available to support the hard-pressed Marines on Koh Tang. For his perceived insubordination, Ford fired Schlesinger. It turns out, in hindsight, however, that Schlesinger's actions saved the lives of the crew and reduced Marine casualties, Lamb said. The Mayaguez was the only crisis or war managed directly by the President solely through the NSC, he added. Number two, air and naval gunfire support were uncoordinated due to the insufficient joint interpolarability. Two, air and naval gunfire support were uncoordinated due to the insufficient joint interoperability and poor planning and communications. Because of this, the crisis played a big role in the passage of the Goldwater-Nichols Act of 1986, which gave com combatant commanders direct command of all U.S. forces, thereby enabling a more effective joint military response. Three, the Mayaguez crisis also played a part in the creation of U.S. Special Operations Command in 1987, he said. It was recognized that unique capabilities of operators such as the Navy SEALs and the Air Force AC-130 aircraft were needed to perform specialized missions. Number four, 
Marine Corps doctrine of assaulting an entrenched enemy with a 3 to 1 numerical superiority was violated, he said. Military intelligence estimated that there were between 100 and 200 enemy forces. A force of just 270 Marines was sent in, and about 100 of those were used to storm the Mayaguez, thus reducing those available to assault the island. Sharing of that intelligence with the Marines was lacking. 5. Mission Command the military's current doctrine of conducting warfare relies heavily on decentralization and operating on commander intent, he said. As good as that is, you have to provide adequate oversight. Instead, commanders in the Mayaguez incident assumed subordinates would arrange uh, requisite air support for ground operations, which did not happen, and the subordinates assumed they had the same intelligence their superiors were using, which was not true. Questioning commander intent in light of operational challenges would have quickly revealed these false assumptions, but that kind of give and take was largely absent in the Mayaguez crisis. Three, main, three Marines were left behind on the island and were believed to have been executed, he said. Their names are the last ones on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. In summary, Lamb said that the key military and civilian leaders who served during the crisis went on to correct mistakes that were made, thereby improving the Pentagon's fighting effectiveness. Lamb goes into much greater detail in his 2018 book, The Mayaguez Crisis, Mission Command, and the Civil-Military Relations. It published by the Office of Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, at Joint History Office. This is an article from the U.S. Department of Defense. Thank you for listening to Bridging the Political Gap. If you've liked what you've heard, please share it. And we would love to hear from you and your thoughts on on our show. So if you'd like to, please leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, thanks again and so long for now.